Well, welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of our special quarantine podcast for the Olathe Community of Christ Church. Uh, I am Shane Adams. And I am the co-host, Brad Johnson. And we have a couple special treats with you. And I'll start with the first special treat for today's episode. We have now, as a member of our Three Timers Club, as a a guest co-host, Allie Arnold, and Allie is going to introduce our guest. So welcome, Allie. Welcome back, and congratulations on making it to the Three Timers Club. I feel like I should get a jacket or something, right? Go ahead. Look at what Shane's handing you right now. (laughs) My member's jacket. Thank you. So congratulations. Well, I'm so excited today to and um, introduce all of you to a friend of Shane and I's since about 2007. Um, His name is Ben Smith. He is the Mission Center President for Australia. We met Ben at the Young Adult Vision Project um, together when we were working with World Church people. Um, And it was such a delight to get to know him. And now he's a husband to Lana and father to Pippa, a beautiful family. They just fill his heart with so much joy. If you follow him on Facebook, you can tell that by the sweet photos and the amazing uh, cooking videos. But again, uh, Ben is the Mission Center President of Australia. He loves food and just really appreciates the simple, ordinary things of life. And we thought he would be a wonderful guest today to help us um, experience maybe a global perspective on how we're all feeling right now within the World Church and within our faith community. So welcome to our friend, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Brad and Shane. It's good to be with you. Well, you know, one of the things that we start with uh, on in most of our episodes is we just kind of ask people how they're doing. So how are you doing, Ben? What's it like in Australia and, and how are things uh, for you? Well, I'm doing okay. We're, um, you know, we're, we're quite a ways into our uh, sort of social distancing and sort of um, stay at home situation here. And, um, you know we're we're doing fine. We're as a society we've we've managed to flatten the curve. That's our, that's the new thing that we all know about. Um, and you know we're we're experiencing some real success when it comes to putting some control around um, spreading of the coronavirus COVID nineteen. So we're you know we're in in my state. Uh, you know we've we're sort of at the point now where it's sort of between zero and five people becoming infected every day um, for the last week or so um, and so you know things are working and, and so we're you know we're very grateful that um, uh, that we have good leadership and, and, and good uh, community buy-in to to this whole um, process and whilst it's painful and um, at times very challenging for us it's um, we're doing okay and you know me personally it's it's interrupted my schedule quite a bit I've been the mission center president here in Australia it's a very wide land um, and so I, I tend to travel a lot um, for my work and and so being at home all the time uh, is quite a different uh, experience and so um, it's it's a wonderful one but a challenging one uh, but we're, we're all getting used to it and you know, who knows? This might be how it is all the time. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> no, I'm feeling well, pretty we're good. Start, we're certainly going into a new normal. Ben, I, I know you've had the advantage of, or you, yeah, the advantage of knowing Shane and Allie for about 12 years. You and I are just meeting for the first time. So I want to ask you just kind of a, a basic question about how you 
found your way to the church. I, I don't know whether your parents are 17th generation or if you, you found it two months ago or 10 years yeah. ago. Or well, look, I'm not a member of the church. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's right. I was just poached from another. <laughs> uh, I've been a member of the church for my whole life and um, my parents were both members and their parents and their parents. And so we're, we've been around for a while. Um, I uh, have been always involved in the, with the church. Um, I had my rebellious years as a youth, as, as most of us do, but um, I started work for the church in around 2008 um, as a, just a congregation, well, not just a, but a congregational support minister um, over in Perth on the West Coast. And um, I spent about five years over there uh, sort of helping that congregation be missional and, and grow and, and um, sort of challenge uh, them to, to look at new ways of being. And um, after that period of time, uh, we moved, my family moved back here to Melbourne. Uh, so that's where I live on the, in Melbourne. In fact, about an hour out of Melbourne uh, on the Mornington Peninsula is where we live and uh so i've been i was i spent a couple of years um against working for the church as a bit of a um, support minister for this area and the wider wider area of of australia um and about three years ago now i was appointed as the mission center president so um yeah it's been a long journey and uh you know i'm only what am i i just turned um 36 uh so i'm pretty pretty uh i guess you would say um, young for this kind of role, um, particularly uh, in, in uh, Australia is quite a complex mission centre when it comes to um, how we operate. Uh, you know, we're our own country and our own mission centre at the same time and, and we have uh, locally here we have about eight um, staff um, plus we also run a charity um, called Saints Care which uh, we have another about seven or eight staff over on that side as well. So we have quite a large team to work with and um, an incredible, uh, um, I guess, diverse um, church. Uh, We have about 19 congregations across Australia um, and we, yet at the same time, most, as as you might be experiencing, we've got um, a significant sort of um, concern with ageing population and... um, a, a dearth of, of leadership opportunities and, and things. So we're, you know, we're struggling to find out what, what the new reality for us looks like as a church and then enter coronavirus, which has made it even more so challenging. Um, so, yeah, that's, I guess, to, I've gone off on a few tangents there, Brad, but to answer your question, I've been here a while. you say you're you're struggling to be a church i read something that you wrote i think it was in your good friday message to your your mission center where you you said the question is how do we be the church Mm. yeah is is that kind of a reflective of of the struggle that you're you feel the church is going through and it's not just australia i'll tell you yeah, I think um, I think that's right, Brad. And I think you know, for us, it's been a challenge of understanding how do we transition from a more traditional bricks and mortar um, four walls church um, to one which we are called to be, um, and that I believe is uh, is one where we are interacting with our community and, and being really a part of our community in a greater sense. Um, challenging them and to journey with us into creating communities of joy, hope, love and peace. And, and that means to, 
you know, that means to be a people of justice and that means to push and shake and, and um, rebel at times. And, uh, but it also means to love each other and to, to be vulnerable and to change and to, to do all of those things with, the, with some patience and humility. Um, and I think that's one of our biggest challenges at the moment um, is that the, the panic, I guess, of, of dying as an institution um, is the kind of for, for many it's the motivator um, and so we, we need to change now because we might not survive and from my perspective that's a really that's not the right place to be motivated from um, you know the motivator needs to be well you know we, we are going through a struggle but really what let's use this time to to seek discernment and, and to seek where the spirit is calling us and, and whilst um, we might think time is important. Um, the reality is if we are to transition into being the church in, in a new way, um, that is maybe without buildings, maybe with buildings, maybe online, <laughs> maybe uh, you know, in, in all of the ways, um, depending on the context, uh, I think we are to, um, I guess we, we need to listen uh, to to what it is our hearts are doing and, and the Spirit's doing with us. And that may well mean um, instead of 19 congregations, it might mean three. Um, but instead of 19 congregations, it may mean 30 in different ways. And so, um, yeah, I guess we're, we're still very much toying with what that looks like for us here and, and we're stepping through that slowly Um uh, but nonetheless, we're, we're having some success in a couple of areas and, and many others that we're still being very challenged by. So, um, uh, yeah, and the, our current circumstances has, has certainly hasn't helped um, in many ways. But How are your, um, as you've touched base with your 19 congregations, Ben, how do you feel they are doing during this time and, and what are they doing to stay in community together during this time? Yeah, I think there are quite a few that um, certainly in the early days um, have really struggled. Um, we've been in this kind of forced, not forced, but um, encouraged uh, lockdown kind of um, time now for about a month. Um, our government kind of set out these restrictions in mid-March. Um, <clears throat> and so whilst we've been living with this for, for a little longer than that, that's kind of when it really started to hit home uh, to us. And so when we cancelled or suspended our activities in congregational life and, and around the mission centre around then, um, that's kind of when it started to hit home for many people that so much of what we do relies upon our buildings and being together. And so um, I think those initial couple of weeks were really quite challenging for people. There was, we were quickly trying to, you know, what's the current buzzword? Pivot. Pivot. Uh, we were pivoting uh, into something new um, and what that looked like. And so I guess there was this immediate um, adrenaline rush of how do we change to keep things all going and happening. And, and what we soon realised after a couple of weeks, I think, was that maybe those things aren't all that necessary and all that we need to do is keep in contact. Um, and so what we are doing is that um, every week uh, we, well, basically from that first week, um, the Mission Centre said, you know, we need to provide something for people, a place to gather. And so we've been having online uh, Zoom worships once a week on a Sunday morning about 11 a.m. <coughs> for the whole uh, of Australia. And, um, you know, we've been seeing about a 50, up until Easter, we were having about a 50% increase week on week um, in participation in that. 
and it's sort of come back and stabilised a little bit now, uh, which is which is good to see. Um, and then a couple of other congregations, smaller congregations, um, have uh, started their own online weekly uh, event, uh, which is great to see. We've we've had um, a youth and young adult ministry called Community Plus meeting online for the last couple of years every Sunday night, and so that's that's kind of business as usual for them and they're kind of teaching us how to do that which is really great um and we've also um one of our evangelists kind of came to me and said look i'd really love to start up a, a prayer group um a prayer circle type of thing midweek that we can just jump online and do a little kind of spiritual practice and and have some prayer time together and when the first week we did that we had 45 people connect online and um on a wednesday night and and it's just been incredibly meaningful um uh, for many people so <clears throat> and we've, we've tried a few different other things as well but i'd say uh, for the most part um whilst congregational life in itself may have been um, negatively affected, um, I, I definitely think that's the case. Um, I think over the whole nation um, throughout the Mission Centre, I would say that there, at the moment there's a feeling for, certainly for those who have been connected, that it's a, we've had some really meaningful um, connections since since we've been doing this thing online and what it's really allowed is for people who are, live in rural and regional areas or who have been disconnected from congregations to reconnect again uh, so it's been quite quite amazing to see um, the types of people that have logged on um, I would say at least half of them don't attend normal congregational worship on a Sunday and so it's 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 been a wonderful outreach opportunity to reconnect with our friends who might live in places that there is no congregation um, or, or choose not to to go for whatever reason. So um, yeah, we've 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 seen a really wonderful connection experience. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. You were sharing with us earlier your kind of the game plan for your mission center moving into the next couple of months. Would you mind kind of sharing some of that with? With everyone. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, just in the last couple of days, the World Church have extended the suspension through to the end of uh, May. Um, and so we, we encourage that and, and support that fully. Um, as, as, as I mentioned there, as a country, we're, we're doing pretty well when it comes to um, restricting the, uh, transmission of the virus in the community. Most of our infections have been from travellers coming back from overseas. Um, and so that's kind of as an as an island nation where we've been able to fairly easily just close the borders um, to stop planes and boats coming in. So um, that's because that's been where the most of the cases have come from. So um, because of that, we've been able to kind of um, now start looking at the road out uh, of, of this situation. And, and uh, but as a church and as a leadership team here, we've decided already to cancel all of our nationwide events um, and larger sort of camps and retreats through to uh, October, in, into October. Um, we had uh, our biggest sort of youth camp, which is at the end of September. We've just, yesterday, we've just um, sort of postponed that. Or in, rather than that, we, we haven't actually postponed it. What we've done is we've changed the way it's going to be um, in that it may well be smaller local groups rather than having one big kind of national camp. Um, we, we may well, we're still kind of playing with the form, but we're sort of breaking that up potentially and doing instead of a five-day camp, we might just do a weekend thing in different locations and connect online or whatever, still playing around with that. But there was another retreat that we had um, planned in early October that we've um, postponed until 2021. So 
Um, we feel like there's uh, there's several reasons for that. One is that we want to we we don't want people we want to support the I guess the practice of uh, not not doing things that are unnecessary. Um, so traveling across the country to be in close proximity with people isn't high on the priority list of needs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we feel like but, um, whilst things may well have improved by September, the planning and organizing and, and the unknown uh, about our future isn't worth um, getting to the point of then worrying about refunds and people losing money and, and those kinds of things on travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the other aspect of that, I guess, for us is that, um, you know, because of the, the, the economic consequences of, of this lockdown scenario, there has been a lot of people being put out of work and um, their, their livelihoods uh, have been significantly affected financially. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to put extra pressure on, on people's lives um, just so that the church can fulfil its objectives of, of its programming. Um, we, we, we know that they're meaningful and valuable experiences, but at the same time we feel like even creating that opportunity for people may increase their anxiety levels with just with the ability for them to pay their bills and, and find food and those kinds of things. So we don't want to add to that stress. Uh, so that's yeah. part of it as well. I, I felt like that was one of, the, one of the things I appreciated the most about what the World Church decided this past, this past week was... The, the decision to postpone IYF uh, because many people were going to have to start paying towards IYF like immediately. Yeah. And that recognition that people may not be able to do that. I mean, you were saying that 6 million people in Australia have lost their, their jobs and in the U S it's something like 22 or something. Um, and, and I think, you know, that aspect of, uh, acknowledging the, the, yes, there's an aspect of this that is super, um, you know, disappointing because we want to be together physically, but there's this economic impact that is uh, significant that, that as a church, we need to be sensitive to and find the ways, you know, to, to be sensitive to that within our congregations, within our mission centers, because, we are, uh, you know, 22 million. Uh, the unemployment rate in the United States is something like 15% or, or, or something. And then that's, that's a significant amount of people. And so being able to, to encourage people to, to release themselves of that stress, of that, um, of that obligation, yeah, to, uh, to, to do things that um, they want to do, but, but maybe might not be the best idea I think is, is appreciated. Yeah. I think you're spot on there, Shane. And, and for us, you know, losing our way or not losing, I think it's been postponed um, for a couple of years, but um, essentially losing that event for us um, and for other nations outside of the U S and Canada um, is, is enormous. Uh, you know, we, we don't have spec every year. Um, you know, we, 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 it's too expensive, um, you know, for us, for every kid to the cost for every kid to go to IYF and spec, um, we do it every four years or so whenever IYF is. Um, it, the cost, you know, not including the amount of funds that we need to raise through fundraising opportunities and things is close to $6,000 Australian, which is probably um, 
I don't know what that equals over there. It's probably $2 at the moment, but uh, US, <laughs> it's, it's significant money. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we spend years fundraising uh, for these events so that it can be affordable for families. And imagine, you know, when you've got two kids that, that are eligible, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a ton of money uh, that they need to find. So, you know, whilst, whilst it's, um, uh, it's, it's hugely disappointing because it's only every four years, you know, we will have kids that will now miss out. Um, because of that decision, um, because they'll be too old or they'll be in their final year of high school and that's, that's where their attention is to go because it's not in our school holidays. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, there, there are some big challenges. Um, but, yeah, we, we certainly support the decision by the IYF team and the Council 12 and, and the PB because it's, it, it, it's a social justice decision. You know, it, it's about yeah. saying we're making this call because it puts additional pressure on, on the most vulnerable and, and we can't make any other decision if yeah. we are to live by our principles. Yeah, that's a, that's a good reminder for us to remember that our enduring principles, are they lead us in, that, in this direction. Like you said, even though these are hard, um, I, we keep hearing people say, we're going to do a virtual reunion this year. We're going to do things differently. We have to be we have to be more creative and it may not be the way we are used to gathering. It may not be the way that everyone wants to now gather. I'm saying in quotes that no one can see. Um, this, this is a compassionate element to this right now for everyone. So it's important. Yeah. We, we had Zach Carmen McLaughlin on the, on the podcast uh, just this past week. And I, I've quoted him a couple of times during this, during this uh, time, because I remember him saying something to me like, social distancing is an act of social justice. Like there, like that, that ability to um, distance yourself isn't necessarily just about you. It's about the whole. And I think as we, and we were talking about this a second ago, as we, as we're starting to see these like pockets of people who are popping up and saying, well, you know, I, 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 I'm, this is too inconvenient. You're taking away my freedom. And that, that, that may be true, but, but it's, it's, of the benefit it's, it's to the benefit of, of the society at, at large. And, and I think that's the thing that we need to be considerate of. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. our enduring principles. You think of responsible choices as being, I don't want to say they're all important, but it really, this is a responsible choice that we're called to make in in the social distancing and everything. I think it really, does fit into our enduring principles, maybe sacredness of creation too, because we got we got to respond to that. Yeah, and exactly, and you know, and my we mentioned my wife Lana earlier, and we we um, we have a little uh, retail store that we run, and she runs as a business, and uh, we sell art and jewelry and all sorts of artisan sort of products, and and because of this whole scenario, whilst we. Uh, whilst we are not forced to close um, because we, we, we're still seen as, um, uh, you know, retail still able to trade, um, we, we haven't. You know, we've closed our doors and just available online because it's, it's one of those situations where we need to get band together as a community to, uh, to protect each other. Uh, and, yes, that means we've had to lay off staff and, yes, that means, you know, we, we've had to go without and there are still bills, you know, to pay and all those kind of things. But the reality is um, people are dying and, and that's not okay. Uh, we can eliminate that, that, um, that problem if we join together as a community to, to respect that. Um, 
one of the you know one of our uh, one of our members um, if in New South Wales uh, was on board a, a, a cruise ship um, a month and a half ago and contracted coronavirus and um, in fact it was a husband and wife and and uh, the husband passed away a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, from this and um, it just it really came home for us that um, these these aren't just numbers on a graph anymore. You know, these are people, and it was my best mate's grandfather, you know, who passed away. And it's like, well, imagine imagine being um, in that situation where you can't hug your family, you know, when you're saying goodbye to a, a family member. Um, you can't have a funeral. Um, you know, in Australia, you're allowed to have a funeral, but you can only have 10 people there and you can't touch each other. You know, imagine being in that situation. And I, I can't, I can't imagine the grief that um, the additional grief layer that's over that process, not being able to grieve properly and traditionally, you know, in our, in our culture. And so, you know, just because of those little stories, I'm like, well, there's more important things at play right now than my, you know, social media campaign or my, you know, my investment portfolio. You know, those things matter least right now. Absolutely. If you've ever met Ben, uh, that you will recognize very quickly is how welcoming and hospitable he is. Mm -hmm. Um, I I remember outside of the very first first thing I remember about you was that you had a didgeridoo with you. Uh, That's the thing I remember is like that. I just instantly had this uh, feeling that you and I could be best friends like immediately. Like it was just something that I just felt very warm. And so I want, I, I bring that up because I want to talk a little bit about hospitality. I just remember, um, feeling like when I met Ben that he was, a, a friend that I had just reconnected with immediately. Uh, he, he just has kind of a way about him that, that allows you to, to, uh, to kind of connect with him in, in a, in a real deep and spiritual way, just very immediately. And so I bring that up because I want to talk a little bit about hospitality. You talked about being the church earlier. Um, how does hospitality, uh, how, how can we be more hospitable and welcoming in our congregations when we don't have buildings to go to right now? It's a great question, Shane, and and I think one of the things we've learned in this um, pandemic is that uh, we can remain connected even though we're not together. Um, and you know, a couple of the uh, ideas that came forward really early on in the piece uh, here in the Australian Mission Centre is that, um, particularly for children, um, they we 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 can't keep them apart you know, naturally. And so uh, what we found, and, and we actually can't keep them from thinking about their friends either, you know. And so one of the first things we did was to um, create some little colouring in sheets um, for the kids that had a little, lovely little message on it about sharing with your neighbours or something. And, and um, all they, you know, it was a little activity they could do at home and coloured them in and, and wrapped them up and delivered them to their neighbours. Um, and that was the simple thing to say, you know, you can easily teach your children and therefore adults in your own minds about hospitality and, and being welcoming to your neighbours um, if, if we're intentional about it. Um, and so I guess one of the things we're finding is that um, people are finding new ways of doing things by Zoom or Facebook or um, phone calls, the old letters in the mail. Again, for children, we've, 
we've um, you know, we produce our own Herald here in Australia, Shock Horror, and uh, we <laughs> use some of the uh, World Church uh, Herald content too. But we redesign it and um, we think it's better. But don't tell Jen. <laughs> The the uh, as part of that we we kind of have a little kids corner in there and that has a bunch of ideas for parents uh, to to work with their kids and and because we would often find that um, you know come Easter time or Christmas time or whatever time um, parents would say to me they would say how do I teach my kids about the death and resurrection of Jesus like without going down the whole literal path and so we were able to sort of find some new ways about helping parents teach their children or grandparents teach their children or whoever um, uh, about these kind of stories and so we thought out of that whole process but that's been going really well and so during this time we thought well let's create a kids herald you know it doesn't have to be the full-on production of 28 pages or whatever that's that's the normal herald Um, so we just created like a literally a double-sided a4 that we had a couple of games on and some stories and some crosswords and whatever, normal kids' activities that were, that were flavoured with the church um, and, and we posted it in the mail to the kids, not to the parents, and, um, you know, one for every kid in every household and, um, and so we sent out, I don't know, maybe 100 letters to, uh, to these kids and most of them never even knew what the mailbox was um, but, they were so excited to receive this mail from the church. You know, they were pumped to, to see this and there was little interviews with other kids and um, we, we're finding these kind of ways to remain, um, remain community and, in fact, increase our sense of community during this time of social distance. Um, and so whilst we can't have dinner together and we can't, you know, do morning teas at church and those kind of things, uh, we, we're still finding that people are connecting in, in, in other ways. And I think that's the main thing, to, to have the intention um, to say, you know what, I, I'm at home, I don't have anywhere to be. Um, instead of turning on the television or flicking through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, um, why don't I just give my friend a call and, um, you know, let's chat for 10 minutes or click someone a message or something just to say, I'm thinking about you. Um, I know this is a tough time right now. Um, and I guess those are, those are some of the ways we've, we've been trying to encourage that sense of hospitality and connectedness um, within our community. And I think it's only going to get harder uh, as we move into this pandemic. Um, I'm hearing a lot of rhetoric come from many countries around the world right now around, oh, we're, we've hit the peak already and we're all good. Let's open up our economies. And you know, um, I heard an economist speaking last night uh, and they were essentially saying, you know, when we talk economies, we talk lives, um, we're talking people. And, and that's, we, when, when we put value on someone's life, that's when it becomes really difficult um, to say, let's open up our economy. It's okay if we have a few more deaths because we're going to be restarting our stock market trends again. But the, the reality is our, our people matter right now, and that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, I heard an, ar- an argument from some television doctor who said, well, you know, we should send kids back to school because only two to three percent of them will die yeah and I, I don't understand how that's an acceptable loss of life when it's preventable yeah it's um it's it's a really ch- i mean I, I do not envy world leaders right now and uh, you know i posted something right back in the beginning of this that 
really they're making decisions between a really bad decision and a horrible decision. Like those are the those are the two ones that they can make out yeah. of twenty. You know, and it is it is a super tough time right now. And I, the the ones that I just value the most are are the ones that decide based on humanity you know i don't know if you guys are hearing much out of jacinda ardern from the prime minister of new zealand Mm -hmm. um but she's done some incredible work um over this whole process and and it's all been incredibly well led and if you if you get a chance just go and look her up on facebook and instagram and those kind of places because not only have they been able to incredibly restrict this this situation they've done it with such grace um, and, and there's not rhetoric behind it it's it's all just about you know protecting each other and we're because we're all a family and um i've just been blown away by her leadership through through all of this and you know she'll she'll jump online at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night after putting her her kid to bed and she'll jump on a facebook live feed you know from her living room and just answer questions and reassure people that we're all going to be okay you know it's that kind of leadership right now mm-hmm. that is just such one so so wonderful to see um and yet alternatively we're seeing plenty of leadership out there who who aren't talking about the humanity of this um uh, and and are only looking at the numbers which is a shame yeah we we talked about enduring principles and you you mentioned that um and you kind of something new's coming out of this and we're we're talking about the blessings of community and yeah, how, how? What kind of blessings? How do you see that we're going to come out of the, these these terrible times that we're going through? And yet, we as a positive people are know that there's blessings going to come out of it. Any insight that you might share on that? Yeah, I I was um, I was listening to a program last night uh, on our ABC, not not the American uh, ABC, the Australian Bureau, uh, what is it called, Broadcasting Company, and uh, it. it we have a great show called Q and A, um, and it's 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 like a dialogue session, really. And um, there's this ethicist talking about, you know, what what the what you know the future might look like after this in, in the next couple of months, you know. And and one of the questions that was raised was, how can we use this time, this once in a generation or multiple generations, like break? Uh, how can we use this time? To not just restart our economy, not just re-begin all the, you know, start the engines again on the whole system. How can we use this time to really think deeply about who we want to be and what we want our world to look like and what we want our industries to look like and, and where what we want our governments to look like? You know, we're we're seeing here in Australia, we have a Liberal government, capital L, the Conservative government uh, running our country right now, who really, um, you know, proclaim the, the goodness of capitalism and, and, you know, the market economy and those kind of things. And yet all of that has hit pause and people matter all of a sudden. And um, wonderful sort of generosity um, for the most vulnerable is happening from a government that normally wouldn't do that. And it's it's kind of shocked everyone um, and and yet it was required and, and no one's kind of pointed fingers to say, you know, you're backflipping on your process or whatever. Um, it's, it's people are rejoicing um, because we're actually seeing something different happening. There's a, there's a new reality that's occurring even at the most competitive levels of government and business, where people are saying, you know what, our, um, our people's lives are really 
quite important. Um, and, and so what I think um, would be a really wonderful result of the blessings of community here um, would be that as a whole community, we can really start to redream what is important in our lives and, and then help each other create that. So instead of placing the value on, on, on things um, or, or niceties or, you know, corporate structure and profit and dividends and whatever, although those, some of those things are really important um, in building a stable society, that they can't be the priority uh, when it comes to having a, um, a community which is equal and, and, and harmonious with one another. And so the fear I have is that that, that will be short-lived um, and that we will soon return because um, there are sharks in the water <laughs> uh, right now. And so the, but I'm hopeful that, um, you know, organisations like ours and like the many others um, out there who are interested in building strong communities are, um, will have plenty to say and plenty to do when it comes to building um, a new way, a new thing, you know, I hear people talk and I think a few of us have already said it ourselves that this is the new normal and um, I, I hope that part of this is the new normal, that that we, we actually respect one another and we respect social distance because that's not okay for everybody and, and, and we respect that um, uh, the idea that um, we need time to just slow down, you know. Uh, I hope that we can learn from this to say, we can have flexibility in our workplaces and that's okay. We can help each other do each other's jobs and, and that's not, it's not, a, it's not um, seen as a, a negative thing to, to help people. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that we can, we can use this opportunity, which is really once in a generation, um, uh, this opportunity to break the cycle of the machine of, of profit um, for the few there's a, there's a quote that I like right now that um, says, in this rush to return to what our quote normal was, be sure you're mindful of what it is you want to bring into the new normal. Like, yeah. I think we have to, I think that, that we have to actively and mindfully do this the next step. I think if we just say, if we all just want to say, when this is over, we're just going to, we'll be, we'll be changed. But if we actually don't cultivate the change that needs to happen, it won't, it won't. We'll, we'll get out of this. People will just re resume old habits. And I hope that they're like you're saying, Ben, that we are, I know I am. I've shared this um, with the congregation is I'm actually finding, and this comes from a place of privilege where we get to stay home and we are, we are safe, but I am finding moments that are bringing me a lot of peace um, the, the slower pace has helped me in, in different ways where um, schedule's not making you quite so weary all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that some of this, whatever it is each person is finding as a benefit to them, they are willing to say, I am going to take this into my new normal. That, that means carving out something different. Um, but these things are, are good for our soul and these things are good for each other. Um, you know, and uh, it's okay for what's next to look different. It doesn't have to go back to what it was. Can I, I want to share a, a quote I came across a couple of days ago with the three of you and I guess our podcast listeners, unless Shane edits this out, but 
it's it's from a, a Japanese writer, um, and he wrote it, he wrote it quite a while ago. But I think it kind of fits in right here. It says, "Once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain: when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm is all about." And I think that's the storm we're going through is kind of all about we're not going to be the same people. And it's up to us to be the better people mm -hmm. like you're talking about there, Ben. You know, to Absolutely. And I, I'm reminded just this last couple of weeks by, this, by the Road to Emmaus story. And, um, you know, these disciples were forever changed by that moment. And, um, you know, I, I feel like this is our Road to Emmaus moment where we can be changed if we want, if we let it change us mm -hmm. and if it if it points us towards a place where we can protect the more vulnerable in our community that can that we can extend that intentional love to our neighbors and our friends um you know but we have to choose that you know we can't we can just ignore it and um, we and that would be justifiable no doubt um but you're right uh, ali when you say that you know the what we need to decide what we're going to bring to this new place because we have been changed. We now know that, you know, thinking about the other is a really important thing to do. Um, the essential people in our communities are the doctors, the nurses, the teachers, the grocery store workers, the plumbers, the electricians, you know, they're, they're the essential ones, not necessarily the hedge fund managers and the investment bankers and the lawyers of the world. You know, they're, of course, all people are valuable, um, but we don't place extra value on, on those roles at, at, because in times like this, the essential workers are those ones that are sacrificing themselves um, and their their livelihoods and their families for the sake of the other, um, which is really wonderful to see that happen uh, and be realised in in our community. I really loved seeing things um, organically happen in a in a really great sharing manner that used to take a transaction, right? So you saw people, you saw musicians say. I can't go out on concert anymore, but I'm going to get on my Instagram and I'm going to play you a 30 minute concert. And I don't need that transaction from you anymore. I just want to share, right? I'm, I'm seeing artists that I follow that are offering online courses that I used to have to pay to take. And now they just want to share their art and teach you how to do something. So they're just sharing it. I love that we've removed the, the, the need for the transaction. I need something from you to give you my gift. And now I'm just seeing people give their gifts because they just want to, I have, whether it's, People that get on and teach a workout class for 30 minutes every day on Facebook or a teaching of cooking, like whatever it is, we're just sharing without the need for, I need something back from you. And I just have found that so refreshing and that wouldn't, wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a great place to go into is that we each have these gifts, um, these treasures given to us by our creator that we're called to give. What if we just could give them and not have to worry about the transactional side of any of it. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think that, that our, our acknowledgement of those positive things and that we're seeing come out of this will, will remain with us and somehow find a way to win against our uh, comfort our, our normalcy, our desire for normalcy, our desire for what we had, 
uh, and, and there will be an acknowledgement of what can be. It's like what you were just saying, like there's a, there's an aspect of this that gives us an opportunity to really do some deep dives into evaluating what really matters. And I, I think that aspect, I, I think this is particularly true in America that I worry that that will get, that will just get pushed aside once we're able to just go back to what we call normal. Business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we'll see a greater appreciation for some of those things that we took for granted in the past. And, and we might dig deeper into those. And that those are the blessings of community that we're trying to be a community now, but we're going to be a better community. I think mm. as we go through this, I, I hope. Yeah. And I would agree. And, and I guess from my perspective, I see it as an opportunity for us to clarify you know what what good looks like, and in terms, particularly when it comes to leadership. Um, you know, I, I think about you know you guys have an election coming up in in November, um, and and I wonder you know if through this whole process, I'd be you know personally, if I was a U.S. citizen and if I was there, I'd be looking to somebody you know if and if I had to vote, and, and well, you don't have to vote in Australia. Voting is mandatory. Story, which is a blessing, um, but uh, in in the US, I, I'd be looking for a leader who, through this whole process, um, represents the values of the kind of life that I would want to be a part of, um, and that is that you know I'd want somebody out there who cares about people. Um, and that includes the economy. Don't get me wrong, um, because that's people's livelihoods, and that's you know that's how that's how we're built. You know, things cost money, and so we need to find a way to to keep that wheel turning. But at the same time, people, um, you know, the economy is people, and so let's look for people who represent those values of justice, who represent those um, uh, those ideas that we as a people. Um, are responsible for looking after each other and, and creating a world which is full of that. And I, I um, yeah, I, I don't know if there are those people that are running. I haven't followed all that closely, but I, I think um, I'd be, that's what I'd be doing anyway. Yeah. It's certainly a balancing act. Yeah. Well, Ben, and, and as I wrap up, what would be any last um, any last words you would like to share with our listeners? Um, maybe um, how how you're keeping joy, or how you're finding inspiration, or what something positive you could leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I, I guess um, what I'm finding incredibly valuable through this whole process is um, is recognizing the things that bring me joy you know um i i've had a fairly good track record of doing this in the past but things get out of control when you're in stressful jobs and and have moments in your life where um things are challenging you know right now as a family we're we're about to build a house and so um lots of our attention is is sort of putting on that design phase and so for the last year we've been asking ourselves um what kind of space do we want to create for ourselves that will enable us to live how we want to live? Um, and uh, so I think the same question goes in this time. You know, what, what kind of things can I do in my life to create an environment where I am, where I'm valued, where I feel a sense of belonging, where I feel a sense of accomplishment, 
um, and where I feel connected with people and the earth and the spirit. And um, so the you know, couple of things we're doing right now is just taking a little afternoon walk every day and uh, around a neighborhood, and, um, but also taking the opportunity to just spend time just being in that place, whatever that place looks like, whether it be picking up a book or, or whatever. Um, I'd encourage you, your listeners, um, that this is temporary. Um, whilst this is an incredibly challenging mountain to climb and and it is frustrating and it is painful and it is uh, it, it is a massive shift to what we know uh, it is a temporary one um, and, and things will change and we will recover uh, and we will um, get through this if we seek to create a world um, where the other matters. But if we don't do that, if we don't care about the other, this will drag on for a very long time and things won't get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my love goes to you all and my appreciation for, for each of you and as, as members of this whole community, you know, we, um, we are making a difference in, in this world by sharing these, these enduring principles and our, our values and our um, our values of good interpretation of scripture uh, are standing true right now. And, and I hope that um, you can continue to find value in this podcast and, um, and, and sharing with one another in what it means to be community in Christ. Thank you so much, Ben, for, for joining us. Uh, we, we are so appreciative of you uh, taking the time to, uh, it's tomorrow for you. So, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're time traveling, but um we just want to express our appreciation and, and thank you again for, for being a part of this podcast. Uh, thanks to Ali uh, for being our special three-time guest host. Uh, and uh, this has been another episode of our uh, coronavirus slash quarantine podcast. I'm Sheen Adams. And I'm Brad Johnson, wishing you blessings and reminding you to stay courageous. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.